and Babylon to them that know me. Behold, Philistia and Tyre and Ethiopia. This man was born there. And of Zion it shall be said, This and that man was born in her, and the highest himself shall establish her. The Lord shall count when he writeth up the people that this man was born there. Selah. As well as the singers, as the players on instruments shall be there, all my springs are in thee. Just do it message today. I want to preach to you for a little while, just simply born to lose. But born again to win. Born to lose, but born again to win. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The world is enthralled with winning. The mantra, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing, defines many people's attitude and outlook towards life in general. The cliches that we've all heard, if winning isn't important, then why do we keep score? And coming in second is really the first loser. It lends credence to the way we think in our current church culture today. No one remembers who came in second. The heroes are elevated and worshipped, while the losers are relegated to a lower status in society and are quickly forgotten about. When someone asks about them years later, they will say something to the effect of, What happened to them after they lost? Or, after they lost, they've never been the same. They are the losers. Let me tell you about losers today. It's those who never came out on top or never had the chance to even play the game. Those who never received the big promotion or those who didn't fit in because they lived on the wrong side of the tracks. Those who were born without the proverbial silver spoon in their mouth. So my question to you today is, does God care about losers? Wilma was born prematurely and weighed only four and a half pounds. Because of racial segregation that was so prevalent when she was born, she and her mother were not, a, were not permitted to be cared for at the local hospital because the hospital back then was for white people only. Wilma's mother spent the next several years nursing Wilma through one illness after another, measles, the mumps, scarlet fever, chicken pox, double pneumonia. But she had to be taken to the doctor when it was discovered that her left leg and foot were becoming weak and deformed. And it was at that point she was told she had polio, a crippling disease that at that time had no cure. The doctor told Mrs. Rudolph that Wilma would never walk. But Mrs. Rudolph would not give up on Wilma. She found out that she could be treated at 
uh, Meharry Hospital, a medical college of Fisk University in Nashville. And even though it was 50 miles away, Wilma's mother took her there twice a week for two years until she was able to walk with the aid of a metal, a metal leg brace. Then doctors taught Mrs. Rudolph how to do physical therapy exercises at home. And finally, by the age of 12, Wilma could walk normally without the crutches, without the braces, or corrective shoes. And it was then that Wilma decided to be an athlete. In high school, she became a basketball star first, who set state records in Tennessee for scoring and led her team to a state championship. Then she became a track star, going to her first Olympic Games in 1956 at the age of 16. She won a bronze medal in the 4x4 relay. On September the 7th, 1960 in Rome, Wilma became the first American woman to win three gold medals in the Olympics. She won the 100-meter dash, the 200-meter dash. She ran the, the anchor on the 400-meter relay team. This achievement led her to become one of the most celebrated female athletes of all times. Wilma Rudolph was born to lose. Lou Ferrigno, well known for his role in the TV show The Incredible Hulk. As a child, Lou developed an ear infection which would result in partial but permanent hearing loss. His father was very critical of and negative towards him due to his hearing disability. His father believed that he would never achieve success, yet he went on to become one of the youngest bodybuilders to ever win the Mr. Universe title at the age of 20. Lou Ferrigno wrote, If I hadn't lost my hearing, I wouldn't be where I am now. It forced me to maximize my potential, and I had to be better than average and the average person to succeed. Lou Ferrigno was born to lose. But I've lived long enough. And I've seen enough, I've experienced enough to realize that personally, I don't believe that anybody is born to lose. Society may classify them that way. Our culture may classify someone that way. But I've learned a long time ago, even through my own personal experience, if you want something bad enough, if you want to do something bad enough, if you want to become something bad enough, there ain't nobody holding you back but you if you put your mind to it and you decide that you want to do it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. If you want to experience a real change in your life, your relationship with yourself has to be correct because it affects your relationship with God and it also affects the relationship with others. I want you to notice this scriptural setting, Pentecostals, that are gathered here this morning for worship. In Joel chapter 2, verse 26, the Bible said, To the people of God, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that hath, dwelt, that hath dealt wondrously with you and my people, my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. 
The next verse we can all quote. But the two, two or three verses prior to that, you hardly ever read them. But I want to tell you, the reason verse 28 is so prolific in our memory and in our knowledge is because of the two or three verses that precedes it. For God said it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. The empowerment of the Holy Ghost that would come in Acts chapter 2 takes away shame, takes away condemnation and can empower us not only to be like Christ, but to develop the gifts and talents that God has given us. I'm preaching to somebody today. You've always thought you had a deficiency. You always thought there was something holding you back, but not in God's kingdom. Nobody is born to lose in God's kingdom. And even if you are born to lose, you can be born again to win. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. My, 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 my. I want everybody to hear me today. I want everybody to hear me today. We've taken a back seat to our deficiencies and what we lack. We've taken a back seat because we're not educated enough. We've taken a back seat because we're Pentecostal. The days of that are over. God said, my people shall never be ashamed. I don't know if I'm just fired up over this message or it's been about a year since I preached. I don't know which one's which. Look at your neighbor and go, mm. that was weak. We may practice that a time or two. We'll see. In the Bible, names carried meaning. Most people lived up to the meaning of their name or it was changed to suit their new character or identity. Jacob became Israel. He was a tricker, a supplanter, but God changed him. And he became Israel, a champion of God. He was born to lose. He was born to trick people, to deceive people. But God rebuilt him to win. And he became a champion of God. In Isaiah 43 and verse 1, the Bible said, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name. Thou art mine. Create means to select as a formative process. Your affliction or your problem is a formative process for God to get you where He wants you. <laughs> All right, let's rewind. Create means to select as a formative process your affliction. Your affliction, excuse me, or your problem is a formative process for God to get you where He wants you. 
Don't let it keep you down. Use it to raise you up. God said, I've created you and I've formed you. I formed means to be put on the potter's wheel and to mold and fashion to determine what it becomes. So God created you like you are. And then after your birth, the Bible is indicating that if you'll put your hands in the hands of God, He will mold you using the creative process through which you was born. If you'll follow through, He will form you and fashion you to determine what you ultimately become. How would to God that every person in this building would set up straight and listen. Brother Buster preached all over this to me last Sunday. He said, the people that bless are the people who bleed. In other words, God uses your hurt. We call it hurt. God calls it breaking. It's the potter's wheel. And we're all resistant to it. So at birth, God created you to be you. He didn't want you to be somebody else. He didn't want you to be fashioned by somebody else. He didn't want you to be fashioned by your culture, by your college, even to some degree by your own parents. He didn't want that to be what determined who you were. He wanted you to be born with deficiencies or talents. Both ways it works. And then when you're born and you're old enough, God put you on a potter's wheel. Dear God, I know how that feels. And he molds. And the hand of God presses here and expands there. And you're going, ah, what's going on? But it's God's way. For this cause and for this purpose, he said to call you by your name means a mark or memorial of individuality. To God, listen to pastor, it implies honor, it implies authority, and it implies the character of God himself on your life. So the tricker, the liar, the supplanter was born that way. But not that long after he was born, God put him on the potter's wheel. And started pushing and pulling. And the battle began. My, the battle began. I see people sitting all across this building. You don't want to get on the potter's wheel. And then if you do submit to get on the potter's wheel, you want to tell what the potter to do. God, now God, God, God. Not that hard. Don't squeeze. Ah! And then you're like, okay, okay. And then he goes, and you're going, ah. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't ask me to illustrate that again. I'm about to pass out. (laughs) But the supplanter, the liar, the cheater got on the potter's wheel. And God made him a champion. And named the nation of his chosen people after him. What a process. 
What a God. Joshua was born as a slave in Egypt. His name comes from the Hebrew root word meaning salvation, to deliver, to be liberated, to be victorious. It's interesting that his parents, under godly inspiration, named him Joshua because he was born in one of the deepest, darkest times of the nation of Israel's history when they were slaves in Egypt with no hope of redemption. What kind of righteous joke is this? God, that you want me to name my child Deliverer from what? He worked with brick and mortar as well as in the field. He was also afflicted and beaten by his taskmasters. We don't think about that when we talk about Joshua. We don't think about what got him to where he was at. He knew he was a part of God's chosen people. He also knew that his name meant deliverer. But what could he do? He was a slave like everybody else. He had no influence. He had no pedigree. You see, he was born a loser. Joshua could have resigned himself to always being a slave. But he had another spirit on the inside of him. The Spirit of God was upon him, and he refused to allow his circumstances to deter him. Joshua refused to accept his cultural fate. He could have been content to be a slave. He was a slave in flesh, but not in spirit. He could break, you can break the things of the past. Anybody here today can break the things of the past if you want to because God created you the way you are. And He wants to put you on the potter's wheel and fashion you into that person He wants you to be. And when He's done, you'll be a champion. I'm going to try real hard to get through this whole entire message today, but i got to stop right here. It is amazing to me that those of you that have that football sickness, I used to really bad, but somehow was cured. I'll tell you when it happened. When the LSU Tigers won their championship under Nick Saban. I was a year old when they won their last one. And it took a long time to get that, that second one under Saban. That's all I wanted. I kept up with the Tigers. I wanted them to win a championship. When they won it, okay. And I was cured. But you're not. You're greedy. You want another one. You want one every year. You don't want to share that championship with nobody else in NCAA football. Selfish. If you was a Christian. <laughs> Sorry. I apologize. And I do now believe that that bottomless pit of fire can now equate with Antarctica because the Saints won a championship, y'all. Well, y'all are amazing here this morning. Nothing, man, just not going no response. Okay, anyway. But you look at these football players, and you're like, man, he should have caught that pass. Okay, you go out there and catch it. It's coming at you about 400 miles an hour, and it knock you down if you're not careful. The quarterback throws it so hard. If you're such an athlete, 
you go do it. But what you don't see is what these guys submit to every week, the training, a coach in their ear. Do you hear me? What is wrong with you, you ignorant moron? Why couldn't you catch that ball? We've trained you for three years. We recruited you. And the guy just says, okay, coach. I walk up to somebody and said, would you mind just think about teaching a Sunday school class? Oh, no, I can't. You sound like the coach. You realize all the training they submit to in any sport, even in occupation, the training, college, college. <sighs> Horrible. I've never been, but this is what I've heard. Uh, years and years. And then go back for a master's. And then you have these idiots that go back for a doctorate. I was just teasing right there. Just, just. Why do you do that? Because you want to be the best you can be. You want to be able to give back as much as you can. Why don't we do that in the kingdom? And that's what God does the day you're born. You're born with all kind of junk wrong with you. We all are. You hear me? And then when you're growing up as a child, some bad things can happen to you. But that doesn't mean God throws you off the potter's wheel unless you choose to be thrown off the wheel. And where these athletes and people that want to educate themselves, they go through that pushing and tugging and making and farming and hours of rigorous training and study and all that. We'll do it. But God wants to run us through that process, and we don't want to do it. We get our feelings hurt and quit. You wouldn't last five minutes with the saints. New Orleans saints. Or the other kind, for that matter. <laughs> Might as well, huh? This is what you do. And this is going to sound real strange. Somebody here today needs to start talking to yourself. You need to start speaking to yourself. The Bible says in Romans 4, 4.17, And calleth those things which are not as though they were. That's what God did. And that's our example. He calls out things as though they exist when they really don't. But in God's plan, and God's will, and God's purpose, they do exist. And we need to start doing the same thing. Tell yourself, I was not born to lose. But if I was, I've been born again to win. <laughs> God has given me a second chance at this birth thing. And this is why it bothers me that people don't want to be born again. Why? It'll only make you better. It'll give you a fulfillment and a satisfaction like nothing else does. Oh, yes, it will. But this is interesting to me. The Bible says, speak to yourself. Speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Ephesians 5, 19 and 20. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for the thing, all things unto God. And the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We talk to ourselves in the negative. We convince ourselves we can't do it. We can't be what we want to be. We can't have a happy marriage. We can't have a happy Happy home, we can't have a happy kid, we can't have a happy nothing. The Bible said, From the abundance of the heart is what the mouth speaks. 
And if we fill our heart up with the things of God and the things God wants to do in our life and the things that we don't accept circumstances, we don't accept situations, we don't accept things that's happened to us, we don't accept that anymore. That's not what God had intended for me. Listen to me, somebody. If you were born again of water and spirit, God has a purpose for you. Yes, He does. And it doesn't matter what you may or may not think it is. But what we do is, is we tell God that that new birth meant nothing. I'm still in my circumstance. I'm still having problems. I still fight stuff all day long. This is where the Bible said you step in and start talking to yourself and say, no, 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 no. Not today. Not today. Not going there today. I've done it and I've lived this all of my life. I'm not going to be moody today. I'm not going to be depressed today. You'd be surprised what mind over matter can do. You just got to make it matter if you don't mind. Joshua was a figure in the events of the Exodus. He went part way up Mount Sinai when Moses with Moses when Moses received the Ten Commandments. He was one of the spies sent to look out into the land of Canaan. He succeeded Moses and came the pastor of the largest church that's ever been on this planet, pastored by one person. He was the leader of the Israelites. He fought the battle of Jericho. This is the guy that was born a slave, into slavery, with no hope of freedom. You know, there's that old spiritual song that goes something like this, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. I doubt if there's more than two people here that knows what that means. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. What does that mean? I didn't know it either until I Googled it. Boy, Google is handy. <clears throat> he fought the battle. Listen. He fought the battle of Jericho. The old song says he fit the battle of Jericho. That means that he was adequate. He was appropriate. He was suitable. Though he was born to lose, God rebuilt him to win. There's about, there's about eight people here right now that I could go just scream this in your ear for the next two hours. You'd be highly offended and would probably never come back if I did, so I won't, so you don't have to worry about it. But I wish I could shout this in your ear. You say I'm a nobody and I can't do nothing and I can't do this and I can't do that. My people shall never be ashamed, God said. And when he, you were born, he gave you things that he wanted to use for his kingdom. And he will put you on the potter's wheel. And there's some people, some of you that are there right now. And it's uncomfortable and it's not easy. And it's, 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 it, it just don't work with human nature, do you understand? But if you'll do it, Joshua. In his adversity, Joshua did not give up. He was obedient let me tell you something here today and don't forget this statement and this this is a tweet right here sometimes you can throw faith out the window and sometimes we do but you're never exempted from obeying you still obey don't look at me in that tone of voice parents Tell, you tell your children all the time, you do what I say. My daddy used to do this, and they'd give me a case of the reds like you can't imagine. 
Why? Because I said so. It had nothing to do with you believing in what I said, but it has everything in obeying what I said. You get it? You obey whether you feel like you're full of faith or not. You just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. And pretty soon you'll find yourself in a place where God wants you. And you'll find more value and purpose about your life than you've ever met in your life. It works. (laughs) Yes, it does. You may feel that you were born to lose. So it doesn't matter to God if you were born with alcoholic parents, parents with drug abuse, you was abused as a child, picked on or ridiculed and bullied all of your life. I experienced a whole lot of that as a child. Or even born handicapped physically or mentally. When you're born again, God rebuilds you to win. God don't have losers in His economy. Our culture may call you a loser, but God never will never you a loser if somebody could get a glimpse of what god's trying to do in your life you would shake off the excuse the excuses and begin to move out of your depression your hurt your pain and you would see god begin to do things in your life that you never dreamed possible and there's a room full of people that's lived it here today i read a story a number of years ago about a man walking through an obscure part of hong kong that's in china For those of you that's gone to college, we have a few people here today that really believe that Alaska and Hawaii is right just off the coast of California. You know on the big map of the globe, you hang on the wall sometimes, or or the United States, it'll show. Y'all don't even know that. He was in Hong Kong, and he came up on a tattoo studio. In the window were displayed samples of the tattoos that were available. On the chest, on the arms, one could have tattooed an anchor, a flag, a mermaid, or whatever. But he said what struck him with force were the three words that could be tattooed on someone's flesh. Born to lose. So he entered the shop. He was astonished by that, pointing to the words, and he asked the Chinese tattoo artist, Does anyone really have that terrible phrase, born to lose, tattooed on his body? And the tattoo artist said, yeah, sometimes. The man responded, just can't believe that anybody in their right mind would do that. The Chinese man simply tapped his forehead and said in broken English, before tattoo on body, tattoo on mind. And that's what we think. The psalm that I read to you, Psalm 87 in our text. Now that I've got my introduction, I'll preach a little while. I'm teasing. It was, this is a song for the sons of Korah. They had a stain attached to their name. Their father and his followers had perished when they rebelled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. In Numbers 26, 11, the Bible said, Notwithstanding, the children of Korah died not. It's like God took the old man and everybody that followed him but spared his kids. That ought to give some of us hope. Just because your parents are not really people you can be proud of doesn't mean God throws you out either. Huh? 
They refused to partake in their father's sin and rebellion. However, they still carried around the shame and the hurt that was associated with them. They were always referred to as the sons of Korah. It was a stigma that was applied to them. It identified them. If I mentioned their names, you probably wouldn't even recognize them individually, but we do know of them collectively. The sons of Korah. The sons of Korah rose to prominence in the service of the priesthood, and they were even singers of praise and worship in the temple, and they were even involved in the dedication of Solomon's temple. However, there was always that stigma, the sons of Korah. We know who you really are, people said. Your dad and mom are the ones that did that. And there's people here today that live under similar stigma. Psalm 87 was written for them as a word of revelation and encouragement. Again, our text. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to them that know me, both behold Felicia uh, and Tyre with Ethiopia. This man was born there. And of Zion it shall be said, this and that man was born in her, and the highest himself shall establish her. The Lord shall count when he writeth up the people that this man was born there, Selah. As well as singers, as the players on instruments shall be there. All my springs are in thee. The Lord is letting the sons of Korah know. It doesn't matter about your past or your earthly heritage. You belong here in Zion as much as anyone else does. Remember Ahab, or Rahab, excuse me. Remember Rahab? She was saved by obedience. Look at Babylon, Philistia, Tyre, Ethiopia. There will be people that were born in those heathen lands that will be in the church. So what's the determining factor? Verse 5, in Zion, it shall be said, this man and that man was born in her. It's not your natural birth that's important to God. It's your spiritual birth that's the important factor. And even in spiritual birth, your parents, spiritual parents don't pay a, play a huge factor either. So it's not your natural birth that's important to God. It's your spiritual birth. Zion is a reference to the church, and your natural birth may be a loser's birth, but when you're born again of water and spirit, everything changes. So in conclusion today, the Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and given us a ministry of reconciliation. Creature means original formation or building. You're a new creature. You're the spiritual image of God now. You're allowed to start over when you've been allowed to be born again. Many knows the story of Ichabod. A little response right here would be appreciated. I need to know how much I need to rehearse this. There's still some that I know that knows that story. Still didn't raise your hand. They, they want me to explain it. So, okay, here it goes. <coughs> Ichabod's mother went into labor due to the shock of hearing that her husband and her father-in-law, who was the high priest of Israel, had died when the ark of God had been captured in the Old Testament. 
So she named this little boy Ichabod, which means the glory has departed, or where is the glory? If this is what living for God is all about, then I'm sure confused about something because God just walked out of here. What a name to be given at birth, to live for the rest of your life reminding people of the disobedience of your father and the trouble it caused in their lives, their defeat by the Philistines and the taking of the Ark of the Covenant. He had to explain this everywhere he went. Why were you named that? Because what a name. The Bible and history is silent on the rest of Ichabod's life. However, listen carefully. While Ichabod is barely mentioned in the current text of the Hebrew Bible, the fact that Ahidab, Ahidab, Ahidab is referred to as the brother of Ichabod rather than the son of Phinehas. Ahidab gets his identity from his brother Ichabod and not his father Phinehas in the Bible. It's very unusual. So it indicates in Scripture that rather than as son of Phinehas, It's led scholars to suspect that Ichabod was once seen as a far more significant individual, although the reasons for his importance are not known. Can you imagine what people said about him? We know your daddy. We know your history. But God had already worked it out for him by giving him a brother. His name was Ahidah. Ahidab means brother of goodness. His name spoke a better name for Ichabod than what he had been called on that dreadful day. Ahidab's name said, Hey, my brother, Ichabod is a good man. It doesn't matter what his name means. He's a good man. Jesus has prepared the way for us. He gives us the opportunity to be born again to win. If you'll stand with me this morning. I don't think we understand all the significance of the new birth process. We come to the altar and repent of our sins. And we promise God to the best of our ability to turn away from those sins and not repeat them anymore. Most of us fail at that and God understands So God incorporated a little word called grace into the new birth process. For you are saved by grace. But then we're baptized in the name of Jesus. Every person I baptize, I always tell them. It's like when a woman gets married in our society, she takes on the name of her husband, except in Hollywood. I say this to you. If Sister Murphy wasn't willing to take my name, I wouldn't have married her. It's just part of it, man. I hate to plague you with the last name Murphy. And it has been a sign of her true love to me that she took it. When you get baptized in the name of Jesus, I tell people as a woman marries and takes on her husband's name, when you're baptized, you take on his name. 
So now your name is Ben Tier Jesus, Ethel Tier Jesus, Lori Blunt Jesus, right down the line. And you're always now identified with Him, not your natural parents, but your heavenly Father. W.D. Orchard said, speaking of Jesus, they gave Him a manger for a cradle, a carpenter's bench for a pulpit, thorns for a crown, and a cross for a throne. He took them. Jesus took these things and made them the very glory of his career. You've got a cross to bear. You've got a crown of thorns to wear. You've been beaten up. You've been slaughtered. You understand Jesus was was crucified by heathens because of law. But it was his own people that got him there. The ultimate betrayal. And he took all of that stuff and said, you know what? I'm going to use it to my advantage. Instead of letting it take me out and I'm going to quit, I'm going to use this to save the world. That's what he did. What are you doing with yours? What are you doing with that unfair? (laughs) Brother Murphy, I promise I didn't do anything. People just beat me up. The preacher beat me up. They put me out. You know, I was so hurt. What are you doing with your cross in comparison to what Jesus did with his? He took his and saved the world with it. What are you doing with yours? So today this message is for everybody. Everybody. You may be carrying something, a stigma. You may have something in your past. But look, if you, if you, if you want to just do it, just do it. You can take all that stuff and make something out of it and use it to your advantage and you can start saving people with your hurt. You can start saving people with all of that frustration. You can start healing other people because of the emotional turmoil you've been through. There's people on the potter's wheel this morning need to let God finish. He's not done. Need to let Him finish. Let Him finish. Let Him finish. And you won't hear him say, I'm finished, until you hear him say, well done. Never stop. So as they play and sing softly, as we do here at Grace, I would like for everyone to come join us around the front. Our guest, everybody. We're not going to embarrass you. We don't put you on the spot. Everybody come. Everybody come. And I want you to come today with a heart full of faith and confidence that I'm coming to my heavenly Father, and he's nothing like my earthly father. I'm coming to my Heavenly Father, and He's going to bless me. He's going to treat me good. He's going to handle me appropriately. He's going to help me deal with my hurts. He's going to help me sort through things in life that's been unfair. He's going to be kind to me. He's going to be generous. He's going to give me grace. He's going to give me mercy. He's going to give me a chance to be born again. Born again. Born again. Would you come all over the house today? Our pastor staff wants to pray with you a little bit, if it's appropriate and timely. Would everybody come with your hands lifted high, and let's reach heavenward. You think you were born to be nothing. You were born, and everybody forgot about you. You were born, and your life never counted, but not in God's economy. God has a purpose for everybody. God has a purpose. For everybody, yes, he does. Yes, he does. 
Let's reach Godward right now. Everybody reach Godward. Everybody reach heavenward right now all across the building. In the name of Jesus. 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 God, I pray that you administer. God, I pray that you administer right now in Jesus' name. I pray that the Holy Spirit would move. God, you know all about her story. You know all about her story. The hurt, the betrayal. Where things in life just didn't work out right. Not like she expected. I pray, God, that you would whisper in her ear that you want to give her another chance. You're extending to her an open door, open arms. God, you're welcoming her into your presence. Speak to her spirit right now. In Jesus' name. Let him minister to you, sis. This is a God moment. Let him minister to you. Let him minister to you. Let him minister to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That's right. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you administer right now. God, her road has been difficult and challenging. God, there's a lot of questions. She has a lot of questions. But God, you have the answer. You do. You have the answer. Sometimes it's just simply believe, but it's an answer. Sometimes it's, I just want you to have faith in me, but God, it's an answer. It's an answer, and it's hers. And I pray that you would speak to her heart right now. In the name of Jesus, let the Holy Ghost move. God, let the Holy Ghost move. She can be born again, again, and again, and again. It's the